Let's Talk Tribe, the official Let's Go Tribe podcast, episode 90, recorded on May 28, 2018. I am your host, Matt Lyons, and in this week's episode, we'll be talking about the general state of the Indians heading into Memorial Day 2018. The amazing combination of Francisco Lindor, Jose Ramirez, Michael Bradley, the top of the lineup, um, the outfield situation and how weird it's about to get, and the Indians' really easy upcoming schedule from now to the All-Star break. But first, I want to welcome on my guest, as always, Merritt Rolfing, and kind of call him out for missing the best game of the year to this point it could there's a very good chance this is going to be the best game of the regular season and Merritt rolfing cleveland indians writer and podcaster missed it and was not watching it wait i've been, I've been demoted to guest now i thought it was a co-host <laughs> whatever guest host I, co-host I mean, it makes sense I, I miss that game it happens sometimes your friends from new york come to, come to town and you haven't seen them in a while and you have to cook burgers all day look i'm not proud of myself but at least i was living a human being's life for one day is that a thing you should try to achieve? No, not if you're going to miss a game like that. That's incredible. I just assumed it was over when they obviously were losing in the ninth. So what's the point of even paying attention? But It was kind of funny watching the game live. There were so many people that left the stands when it was, it was empty. Yeah. And I couldn't blame them. I even listened to, because I gave up on the game. I started playing Rocket League and just listening to Tom Hamilton for a little bit. Um, but even he said, it's like uh, when Jose Ramirez's bat was up, he's like, well, they're not going to come back today. But it was nice to see him put up this many pitches. I was like, well, they, they kind of did, Tom. They they definitely. So even Tom oh, yeah. Hamilton was like, he was out of it at that point. Yeah, and I watched the bat on YouTube, and both uh, both Rick and uh, Matt were like, yeah, you know, they lost this one, but you know, they can bounce back tomorrow, I guess. So everyone was everyone was in the same boat. I just decided not to watch any of it all. So you know, <laughs> you just took I the just shortcut. Gotta, <laughs> yeah, I just I got a head start on everyone else. It's fine. It's normal, right? <laughs> I don't actually watch baseball anyway. Come on. No, you just simulate it and just you just look at the stats. That's all you need, right? Yeah, I look just... at the stats and I play a lot of MLB the show. All right. That's that's my the entirety <laughs> of my baseball experience here. Is there more is there like if they do they play on the field or something? What are you talking about? I think there's just uh, that's, the no, game. No, this is a numbers game. It's video games and numbers. That's that's all I need. <laughs> Give me a spreadsheet or two. All right, Merritt. We are at Memorial Day. This is um I think some people say they're still wrong, but they usually say don't look at your team standing some Memorial Day. Nothing really matters to Memorial Day. I would argue it still doesn't matter for quite a while, but um, we're at Memorial Day 2018, a little over two months into the season. We kind of have a snapshot of what the Indians are. I mean, hopefully this isn't the final picture, but they're the 27-25, first in the AL Central, which of course would be like third in the AL East and fourth in the AL West. They have a plus 16 run differential, which is really good. Negative or Last year they had negative 22. Um, we know for sure they have some major bullpen issues, which we're going to probably talk about, that they haven't really addressed other than just bringing in warm bodies to throw into the fire of opposing pitchers or opposing hitters. So there's some issues with this team, but what? how do you feel heading into Memorial Day knowing we're, I guess this is almost a quarter through the year? Well, someone, I don't remember who it was on Twitter, pointed out the one thing that can ruin a season the quickest and most viscerally is a bad bullpen. And this is the worst bullpen. But other than that, like, like, but through the first six, six innings, you mentioned their run differentials being positive. It's way, it's like, it's like plus like 47 or something like that in uh, the first six innings and then negative, whatever, the uh, 31, I suppose, in the, uh, in the following three. So that's a little depressing. I'm, I'm pulling those numbers a little bit out of my butt, but I saw it was something like that on Twitter yesterday. So it just kind of highlighted how bad the bullpen was. But other than that, I mean, I think it's been great. The offense is awaking. Um, Today, Monday, as we record this, Edwin Encarnacion hit a very long home run and also a little blue bases-clearing single. Uh, he's, I think in the last like, 15, 20 games, he's got an OPS over 800 or so. Uh, Yonder Alonso seems to be starting to put it together, too. Really, the only thing that's not going great is Jason Kipnis. 
And I mean, for as amazing as Michael Brantley's been so far, which as you mentioned, we're going to get to, it's kind of a, well, if you can only have two, one of them, I guess I'll have the one who at least was a borderline MVP candidate when he was at his best, as opposed to someone who was merely very good being at their best. So it's not an ideal situation to be 27 and 25, but it was a division so bad. And I think everyone knows that it's just, it's not obviously accepted that they're going to just be in the playoffs because anything could happen still. The Tigers are in second place for some reason, but the Twins actually have talent and they could put something, to, you know, they, they get to play in the same division as the Indians. They just get to play the Indians instead of getting to play the Twins, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Uh, but no, I mean, it's, this, this sucks that the bullpen is so garbage, but everything else has been so good. I mean, Trevor Bauer might be, as I mentioned in an article the other day, there's measures that show him as the best pitcher on the Indians by slim margins that are probably inconsequential and rounding errors. But still, like the fact that you can be compared to Corey Kluber at any, at any point, the fact that Carlos Carrasco now may be their third best, maybe their fourth best pitcher. That's pretty cool. And again, the offense is awesome. Yeah, and the bull it's just so weird, like how reliably awful the bullpen is. That game. So reliable though. Like, jeez. <laughs> They're consistent. Give them that. Like it was I think they came into the game with what was it? Like a five run lead on, on Saturday, Sunday. And then it was like six pitches and the Astros were ahead. Like amazing. It was just like, miserable. I, I happened to be glancing just, you know, because I knew the bullpen was coming. I was checking on my phone. I didn't miss it all the way. I saw something, things happening. <laughs> sure, man. Whatever. But, you know, come on. I don't I don't always pay attention <laughs> to people. I just, I'm, I'm addicted to my phone. It's it's a problem. But what, what are you going to do? But no, exactly. Like you said, they're just so epically. Like, how are they? I don't mean to be mean to some of these guys. They, they, they have pride and they work hard at their craft. How do they make it to the majors? Like, I just, they're so bad. They don't. Some of them, I'm surprised by how bad they've been. Uh, but well, some of these guys, like I just, I don't understand how they are here and why they didn't get better. Like where are the where are the good pitchers? Why aren't the, why aren't any of the good pitchers on the Indians anymore? I don't know. It's for two months now. It's been that 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 singular confused old man question in my head while watching this bullpen. So yeah. well, I think it's it's um, a, a teeny tiny little part of it is is this weird way that Terry Francona has been managing the bullpen. I get that he's doing it because he has no bullpen, so it's kind of a what do you call it, chicken and egg thing, I guess. Um, yeah. So I mean, like he he had Trevor Bauer pitch a million pitches. I think it was 127. And then Which had, is fine. That's yeah. the thing oh, about yeah, can't do. Bauer, yeah. I mean, it's it's you shouldn't do that, but apparently it's a thing he can do. So whatever, do it. But that alone, I'm not too terrible with. But the fact that he let Trevor stay in and gave up two base runners and then brought in Evan Marshall. I mean, if you're going to bring him in and if Trevor gives up two base runners, you, he's probably going to give up two. Just let Evan Marshall come in and take a clean inning. Like, don't start him off being <laughs> with two runners on to give up right away. Because, well, of course, and, he did. It was like the first pitch and it was a home run and it was all. Yeah, well, and, and they were talking about how they wanted to bring Evan Marshall in to get a ground ball. And I'm just going to check Evan Marshall's ground ball rates for his career. Is he a ground ball pitcher? I, I don't know. Boy, it doesn't even auto-populate Evan Marshall when you type his name in onto, uh, <laughs> onto fan graphs because no one knows who the heck he is. Uh, ground ball rate is something like batted ball. All right, so he has a good ground ball pitcher. I'm 55.9% for his career. Wow, that's pretty damn good. I pay but more still, attention to you. He's, he's Evan but, Marshall. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's not like we're, we're sitting here for just going, whoo, baby, Evan Marshall's coming. No, it's, it's still terrifying to see him coming in. And it's, it's been very up and down also. So he's been up and down around. 50%, but it evens out to something pretty. But still, again, like you said, it's Adam Marshall. Like, this is, it's not Joe Smith or 
uh, you know, your Brian Shaw of the world. Or even, again, Dan Otero, who is a much better ground ball pitcher when he actually throws sinkers. He's been throwing a lot of fastballs this year. I think I mentioned this on a, a, year, a week or two ago. But just way more four seams, which is – unless you're, I don't know, Max Scherzer or something, it's a bad idea to throw that many four-seam fastballs because that's what hitters like to hit now. And if you can't throw 99 miles an hour, you're going to get crushed. That's why Josh Tomlin is slowly finding his way – I don't even know where he ends up, too. That's, but that's a, that's a conversation for another day. Yeah, he's yeah, not a bullpen pitch. I mean, you don't bullpen. want a guy in your bullpen who instantly gives up home runs every time. I've never understood that. I'll oh, just put him in the bullpen. It's either he's going to be a starter in the majors or he's not going to be a starter anywhere. I started – as soon as I saw the news that he was going to get moved to the bullpen because it happened on like a Wednesday or something and I needed to write an article that was going to go up on Saturday, I started kind of thinking about like, well, what if this is – a reverse thing, you know. I tried to convince myself that it was going to be a good idea, and then that afternoon he came in and gave up a home run on like the second pitch. Let's go right now. Never mind. This is not work out at all. So, yeah, uh, I don't know what's going on there, but it's been. I, I've kind of lost the my, my train of thought here. Not good. <laughs> is the general bull? I mean, overall they're a pretty good team. The offense is great. It shouldn't have to put up ten runs every game to win, but they are. So, I um, think that is again a very glossed over thing with this whole season so far they've the offense has been incredible and only getting better like you mentioned we want to talk about the top three right now but i mean jan gomes is hitting he's not hitting amazingly well but he's driving the ball like he did a couple years ago it just i mean he'll he'll figure it out eventually i think in terms of luck but it's he's hitting well uh go uh, i mean delonzo and edwin's gonna hit uh who else? Who else is even on this? Yeah, team? Alonzo's streaky, but he's when he's starting to hit, he's finally getting it. And Edwin is always slow to start, so I think he's going to come around eventually. And I mean, those top three that we'll talk about—they're they're incredible. <laughs> they're leading this. They're leading like everybody, I think. And then, um, Melky Cabrera's been a nice little addition too. So I think that that's that's a pickup that was whatever the opposite of sexy is. I guess ugly. Melky. It was Melky. Melky. Yeah, it was like, yeah, all right, I guess so. But he's been, he's been at the very least, comporting himself pretty well in right field. So that's been a very nice little addition. Yeah. You know, Dan Otero's actually throwing more sinkers than ever. Maybe sinkers are just a bad idea now. I don't know. <laughs> well, there hmm. you go. I don't know. And you asked, um, so I mean, I guess my question about the bullpen is just, just how long can they sit and just wait for things to even themselves out? They have nobody. Andrew Miller looks like he's broken. And even if he isn't going to be on the deal for a while, they're going to keep burning Cody Allen. All these other guys aren't producing the way they are. Can they just sit forever and not do anything about it until the trade deadline? I mean, well, I guess they have a really weak schedule coming up, so maybe they can, but yeah. that's brutal. I mean, I was I was talking about this with uh, – I was on a radio show this past Friday because I'm famous. <laughs> and <laughs> wow. Toledo famous. <laughs> Toledo famous. Sure, but, you know. <laughs> um, but that's a very – I mean, I've, I've been trying to think it out, figure it out for what – Ever since Andrew Miller turned out to be not good this year, right? And ever since they didn't have Brian Shaw, you knew they were going to make a move sometime this year. And who it's going to be. And I know, I think Mike Petriello mentioned on Twitter, trading for both Manny Machado and Zach Britton. I think they could trade for just Zach Britton. He's not even healthy yet. So he wouldn't, be, he wouldn't cost too much, maybe, in terms of prospects. And that's an idea. If he's anything resembling what he was when he was healthy, he's suddenly the if anything, the best reliever in the, in, the, in the bullpen, even if Andrew Miller returns to form. But I think this, the the common name these days is Brad Hand, right? I think we're all saying it to ourselves yeah. or or to people who are actually, we're actually talking about fixing the bullpen because that's it's a, he's, on a, he's a cost-controlled pitcher on a bad team that's not going anywhere and needs more prospects. 
So maybe that, but I don't know. They they need to do something eventually, like you said. Though they got a very easy schedule coming up. They can they can afford to coast through this stuff because I just I think they're going to put some a decent amount of space between them and the rest of the AL Central, especially if the Twins continue to just kind of spin their wheels. Even if the Twins hold like, kind of go one and one, the rest of like, like for a month or so, I think the Indians will be able to put a nice like eight or ten game cushion between them and the Twins and. That's the only real risk. The, the Tigers are going to do one, another batch of sell-off probably if they can find any more, you know, anything else to sell there. Um, yeah, and I never Oregon. got why people are so low on the Twins to begin with. I mean, they were a playoff team last year, and now they, they added a couple. They were small pieces, but they did add yeah. things to themselves, and they're still a pretty good team. So I'm still legitimately scared about the Twins coming out of nowhere and winning the division. But the Indian schedule is just so weak coming up. That yeah, is, exactly. Yeah. They're, they're going to be able to make a ton of hay here. And, like, you know, I mean, injuries to the Twins do suck. But, they, like you said, they added Morrison. He's going to, he's not going to hit 200 for the rest of the year. They added a bunch of different guys. I mean, Castro getting hurt kind of sucks. Miguel Sano is – I don't know what's up with Miguel Sano. Obviously, I haven't been paying that much attention to the Twins. But, again, also, he, I'm sure he won't hit 200 the rest of the year. Is he, is he dead? What happened to him? <laughs> he's probably might be dead. I'm going to guess injured, but – no, he's, because he's, his his name is bolded on Baseball Reference, so maybe he's just dead. <laughs> maybe he's just dead. It turns out this is just how you, how you look. That's that's well. Uh, he, was just, he was reinstated four days ago. Oh, okay. So that's right. issues. Yeah, that's right. Okay, so I mean, again, he'll hit. Oh yeah, uh, Byron Buxton, maybe, maybe, maybe not, but they're, they're going to be good. They're going to be an over five hundred team probably for the rest of the year. They're, they'll probably win, still win like eighty five games, and at this point. Do we think the Indians are going to win 95 games? <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> unless they can this, find a way to win 91 over like the next month, <laughs> over like 30 well, games, can they win 90 of them somehow? Well, and, and, and I mean, the thing is, too, we uh, we talk about the soft schedule and we've experienced long winning streaks the last couple of years. And part of the reason for that is they get, they've been playing some pretty bad teams. It really helps. Yes, like if you look at like whether the 22-game win streak, the 14-game win streak, or even the little 9-game win streak in early 2017, yes, there were some good teams. There, but there were a lot of bad teams in there too. So the, the, this whole run through uh, the beginning of June, I think, is where we might see that little, that little blip of the old Indians magic we kind of got used to the last couple of years. Not having the best bullpen in baseball kind of make it a little more difficult, but... But we'll of, see. I mean, but it's going to be a blistering offense kind of. I know. I mean, magic and, coming up, and that's cool. I mean, if they score eight runs a game, that's <laughs> that's a lot of fun, right? Oh, I yeah. mean, why not? You know, if you I ignore just, the crisis of the fact that they're probably not going to do that in the playoffs and just enjoy it in the regular season, sure, that's real fun. Well, <laughs> they might this time. You know, I mean, yeah. no one is great all the time in the playoffs. All the time, Alex Rodriguez was terrible in the playoffs all the time. And one time he was good, they won a World Series. So. Maybe they'll all be good at the same time this year. Maybe Jose Ramirez's insane hot streak will fall in October rather than August this year. And, yeah. I mean, he's already in an insane hot streak. I mean, we talk about it now. It's Lindor, Ramirez, and Brantley at the top of the lineup is the Indians' offense. Although the the Sunday game was, again, it was weird because a lot of the the lower and the order guys started hitting. But but those three in the last, especially May, I mean, Brantley's on a 17-game hitting streak. Jose Ramirez is like the same player as Brantley that they never missed a ball and Jose Ramirez hits for more power now and Francisco Lindor adds a bunch of power from the leadoff spot and I mean those three are incredible are they the best one two three in baseball I think I, I said that and I still I'm trying to think of a way out of it I don't think there is they are right um I mean you got one, Mike Trout who's I mean, better on its in, own 
In a very narrow sense of betting one, two, and three, yeah, probably. Well, no, I mean just the, the best top third of any lineup. We call it that. No, I agree with you, but I just only because Brett Gardner bats first often for the Yankees. Oh, yes, sir. I would still. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I still might think they are a little bit better. And then, of course, you have the the Reds. I don't mean to poo-poo what you're saying. I mean, the Red Sox do have Mookie Betts and JD Martinez, and then I don't know who bets. Who bets like second or third or whatever for them? I'm trying to think who maybe Ben Intendi. I might take that group over the t- just because I mean Martinez has been on fire and Mookie Betts is hitting like his name's Mike Trout. So, but that, but the fact we get to have that conversation, I think, is I'm not good at ranking people anyway. Whenever I have a top five, it ends up being ten people. <laughs> so, I would say they're one. But yeah, that's the thing. They're the, the the reassuming of greatness that Michael Brantley has done this whole season so far has been. I think a, a little bit of a glossed over story just because so many things have been going bad with the bullpen and how great other players have been. But he's been really, really good. And he's hitting for decent power, too, is the thing. I think his slugging percentage right now is higher than it's ever been at 559. Uh, just a smidge low, actually, below. No, I'm sorry. This is OPS, which is terrible. Jesus Christ. Uh, yeah, no, this would be his best power output season if you were to extrapolate out to an entire. I mean, if you say he's going to bat, what, 600 times, and you're saying he's going to hit 25 home runs, and that's pretty good, Matt. That's pretty darn good. <laughs> Sources tell me that's pretty good. That's pretty all right. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's normal now for someone to do that. That's Basically, he's turning into 2016 Jose Ramirez, which having two of those alone would be nice. Having a 2018 Ramirez and a 2016 Ramirez and a 2018 Lindor, whew, <laughs> and that's I, a lot of car sounding things that we just talked about but you know <laughs> and i mean for the most part 2016 ramirez is 20 oh god i'm getting my dates mixed up is like 2015 brantley with the contact yes. i mean brantley was he was better at not missing than jose ramirez ever was which is jose ramirez has more power um but it's just weird that they're they're doing it in such a different way like you said it's so common to have an ops through the roof and hitting all these home runs but um jose and martin jose and brantley especially even lindor is all right at contact but but those two are just so hard to get out you can't just blow anything by them because they'll swing at everything i mean right. we saw the 17 pitch at bat in itself um which jose ramirez did and then that i mean that alone pretty much sparked that rally and knocked the closer out it got through the the astros bullpen and kind of rattled them but i mean it's, it's so different than like we had the long, what was it? Like a hundred years ago, almost at this point, is murderers row because of how many home runs they hit and how incredible they were on offense. This is almost like, I mean, they aren't as good overall, but they're doing something so different compared to everyone else that it's almost like a new version of the murderers row, like the Indians version of it, because they're so good at making contact and they're going to hit a bunch of power. And Jose Ramirez is going to just run you over every game. And I do, like, yeah, that that makes it exciting too because you know. I, 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 one of the things I like the least about baseball these days is the amount of strikeouts. I, I, you know, you understand the math, but it doesn't make it any more fun. And I mean, just people, people who are basically the offensive, you know, centerpieces of a of a team don't usually have a walk rate in the, you know, in the single digits. They might have like nine and a half, you know, nine point nine, but usually it's ten plus, you know. And right now, Brantley's sitting at five and a half, which would be a career low for him. I assume he'll start walking more soon. But same thing with Ramirez. That well, how much is he walking at now? I'll take a look while, while you vamp. <laughs> but no, but seriously, no. This is um, they're, they're they're more fun to watch than say a, I don't know. I think than like a, than what the Yankees are doing just because they're all just swinging and missing, hitting bombs all the time. Oh, yeah. So it makes it a bit more exciting. I I wonder if you you would 
Like, do you think we would ever see like an Aaron Judge seventeen pitch at bat? Probably. I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say he's bad. The, the guy was second MVP voting and hit a billion home runs last year. So I I'm, I'm sure it could happen. He's a major league baseball player, but it's just the, the amount of contact these guys can make is simply absurd. And I don't think he'd do it intentionally. I mean, if he was if he had that many foul balls, he'd just be trying to crank everything out, and so many of them just miss, and it'd be kind right. of dumb luck. I think I don't think he can make that much contact in, in that bat like Jose can. Okay, Jose Ramirez's walk rate is thirteen point three percent, so that's more normal to what we expect these days. But Brantley in particular still, is really the yeah. throwback player. You know, I mean, he's just he's just a, a high contact, serve the ball over the field. That the single he had to drive in, I guess it was the tying run yesterday in the ninth inning, was exactly the type of Michael Brantley, you know, kind of little just bloop it over the third baseman, just you know, take your base and move on with your day that you expect from someone in, in nineteen fifty four. And not in 2017. That's usually the more the double to the wall, like uh, like Jose had in his 17 pitch at bat. Yeah, and I'm gonna get kind of old man yells at Cloudsy here, but you mentioned that uh, it, the math is understandable, but it's kind of boring to watch. There's a lot of stuff in baseball right now that feels that way for me. Like the strikeouts, especially even just hitting home runs and just drawing walks, like mm-hmm. the three true outcome player thing is so boring. I like balls being put in play and seeing defense and oh, yeah, like those pitches, uh, Michael Brantley boops and. And even I, mean, like I wrote the, about uh, what's his name? I wrote about Jose Jose Altuve for for Beyond the Box score. By the way, his Aaron Judge's contact rate this year is sixty five point eight percent, fully twenty five percent lower than Michael Brantley's is. I assume is not ninety percent. I didn't even look, but I just assume it's that high. But you know, or somewhere around there, which is just crazy. I mean, the amount of power he's able to develop. Well, just I mean, this, this whole swing hard and Casey hit it thing is. I love it. It's how I'd probably play softball, but. Maybe that's what it is, man. It's the softballification of baseball. <laughs> See, I don't love it. I don't like watching it. I get that. No. I'm never going to say that they shouldn't be doing it because it's what leads to winning. But I, I still want like another swing back revolution. The, like the pendulum to swing back the other way where making contact is good. And especially with like pitchers, I want starting pitchers to go long. Like the opener thing, I get it. It probably makes sense. It's probably better to win. But I don't want to see just a bunch of nameless relievers come in and do switches every inning. I just want like one starting pitcher to dominate for so many innings. That's that's way more fun to me than than getting matchups. It's also why I hate the NL rules. <laughs> they need I don't to care expand the size of the pitcher area in the scorecard. Otherwise, I'm not going to keep scoring anymore. I don't have time for this to be drawing new boxes and things <laughs> like that. It makes it makes it a mess. But you know, I was just thinking about that as you said that as as velocities go higher and higher, contact is going to lower and lower. And even though the idea of the harder you throw, the, the further the ball goes, is false. The ball will just travel very far no matter what. How hard you hit it is, is how it matters. I wonder. I don't wonder if there might be a bit of a swing back like that only because if no one can connect for big-time power, right, and if people keep on shifting more and more to take away all the, all the, the, all the pull zones, maybe we will see a swing back towards some sort of contact-centric hitter being at least somewhat valuable, you know, getting away from everyone wanting to get yet another three true outcome player just because it's, I don't know, because it just makes too many outs at this point. Like they figured out how to mitigate that by who knows what, maybe as curveballs, you know, breaking balls become more, right? as, As more and more breaking balls become more and more in vogue and guys just can't, it simply becomes impossible to square balls up and drive over the fence at the same rate as we've seen, which we've already seen this year too. Like the, the power is down at least a little bit uh, this year as opposed to last year. I don't know if, if they change the ball back again or what, but I wonder if that that may lead to 
I don't know. I, I don't know if baseball even has the ability to change that quickly, though. You know, like I know with like basketball, it can change quickly because guys can just say, "Stop shooting less threes, shoot more threes." I, like they did that with like Demar Derozan up in uh, up in Toronto this year. He he had a career year in, in part because he shot more threes than ever after like you know after December or some such thing. I think we're learning I'm, to to change it faster because it used to be. I mean, it wasn't before you knew just to swing up. It would be you have to tell them to hit more home runs, but there's no real like definitive way to do that. But now that they have it, they can they they can say specifically swing up, which is like the equivalent of saying shoot more three pointers. True. So I think we're getting yeah. to a point where we can shift faster, and eventually it's going to shift back the other way. I think shifting. Well, speaking of shifting, like shifting defense is like learning to hit the other way. They're going to have to start teaching that again, like the minor leagues to to beat shifts if they're ever going mm-hmm. to bother with it. Is going to be the thing that swings it back. I think that curveballs. Well, and, and that's why I th- I wonder if it would t- it won't take a longer time because shooting a basketball is shooting a basketball. Yes, you shoot a little bit further when it's a three pointer than if it's a sixteen footer, but the mechanics are basically the same when you are an athlete at the top of your game, the top of your physique. When it comes to baseball, the swing is such a learned muscle. I I, I would think it seems like it's such a learned muscle memory thing. It would be it's such a big deal to change your swing. You know that's why that's why people write about it. That's why. Like you do the same thing all the time. That's why it's weird, even when a pitcher changes their delivery. When when, when Rich Hill does what he does, or when Tyrell Olson does, changes his arm angle, it's it's strange and bizarre, and often has less than positive outcomes. You know, like it has it will have a big learning curve. Like that's why Yonder Alonso makes way less contact now than he used to, in part because, again, I'm kind of spitballing here a little bit, but it makes sense to me. He's he's swinging in a completely different way, and maybe there was a learning curve, and it, like that relearning muscle memory like that is more difficult than I I think we, we think. So that's why I I wonder if it would take like, again, and these guys are super great at what they do. I I don't know how long it, I don't know how long it took Jose Batista to go from being what he was to what he became. You know, like, like apparently there was one little tweak and all of a sudden he was hitting, like you look at his stats from the year before he, uh, hit 54 home runs, like from, September 1st on, he hit like 14 home runs or something like that. And it was all because of this one little tweak. Same thing with like Josh Donaldson. He, he adjusted something. But I don't know. Again, I don't know how much work it really is because I play wiffle ball. You know? I don't actually <laughs> play baseball. I, I play a real sport here. And I so, think uh, it's kind of – I don't know. I mean the whole – I guess Yonder Alonso is a good example of someone who isn't adjusting well to, to parts of it. But, I mean, everybody's swinging up now and a lot of people are doing really well with it. And Alonzo is just really streaky at it. And, and is it? I, I know nothing about basketball, but is there really no mechanical difference between shooting like at the foul line and then shooting a deep three pointer? Well, I mean, shooting a foul shot, you're not jumping. Not a foul but, shot, but like. But like just shooting like a 14. Yeah. I mean, in my experience of shooting many basketballs, no, it seems like the same. It's a little, there's a little more leg to it, I guess, but like that's really it because you're just trying to get elevation with your legs, right? Yeah, you're just, you're just trying to shoot a little further. I mean, yeah, it's probably a little. It's again, the the, the space is a little bit smaller, but the thing about basketball that's difficult with shooting is actually changing your jump shot. That's why, like Markel Fultz was just not in basketball all year this year, despite being the number one overall pick, was because he changed his shot so much. Or I don't know, Michael Kidd Gilchrist continues to be bad at one side of the ball because he just can't shoot and he's never learned how to shoot again it's a muscle memory thing so that's why i think i wonder if the muscle memory thing as opposed to just shooting is easier i don't know or maybe this is just new baseball and we're already old man we're we're the (laughs) what's the equivalent we just hate i don't know the dh we're like those people who hate it when it came this is home runs are fun kids love them it moves so quickly man (laughs) it's insane 
<laughs> so enough of these good parts of the Indians. Let's. <laughs> we don't want to talk about that. We got an outfield to talk about here, Merritt. Um, right now, it's not great. <laughs> it's, I guess Michael Brantley's there. That's pretty great. Who's um, in the outfield now? <laughs> I don't know. Melky Cabrera and some dudes. No, it's Greg Allen. He hit a home run. You know that game you missed yesterday? That big one? I do. I he, saw he the, hit highlights. the walk off on that. All right. <laughs> <laughs> that was Gregory Allen hit the walk off on that one. He also had a really. What did he do? Oh, he like screwed up in the ninth inning, but it wasn't that bad. I just remember saying, I just remember tweeting out Gregory, and I can't remember what for, but he didn't do something great. So anyway, Greg Allen's there. He's on the outfield. Um, So Chisholm, Geyer, and Zimmer all rehabbing at the same time in Akron. There's a decent chance they're all going to come back, maybe like the exact same time or really close. So what is your guess for what the outfield's going to look like when they come back? Um, I guess Nate, is he rehabbing too or no? Uh, yes, ten day okay. deals. Although they they were show, he was in the dugout today, so I don't know. I think it's just a hamstring thing. Maybe they're just keeping him around because I saw him in the dugout today or yesterday or something. Oh, it's just a hamstring. Get out there and run. Come on, Tyler. Yeah, come on. It's good for you. <laughs> Stretch it out. <laughs> Ask Andrew Miller how that goes. Um, that's a good question because I mean, if you look at Mucky Cabrera's numbers this year, they're not great, but he's seemed he seems like he could be a useful player. You know, isn't that this whole outfield? They're not great, but they seem like they could be useful. That's well, like I just, every single well, I mean, outfielder. Greg Allen is just a slightly worse version of Brad Zimmer at this point, right? Yeah. Brad Zimmer. Can we Maybe say Kermit. Brad Zimmer? Are we, are, are we always gonna, are we gonna do You're Bradley gonna say forever? Bradley. His name forever. Is so it's so you can't nerdy. call a man with that chin Brad. That is a Bradley. Bradley, chin. what are you doing? <laughs> no. Uh, so obviously, and Brantley's there, and yeah. they're not going to get rid of Rajai Davis for. Whatever reason. But, I mean, honestly, he's a good guy to have around if only for pitch running and defensive replacement purposes. And when you need to steal third with when you're on second base for some weird reason. He can do that really well. He's so good at it. It's amazing. <laughs> um, but, I, I mean, if they keep Cabrera, I almost feel like the odd man now might be Brandon Geyer. Just because he's been really bad this year, and he was bad last year. And I think he's getting – what is wrong with him now? Is it still a wrist thing? Because that was his problem last year. Um, if I was a good What's host, I would know it? that. Placed on DL with neck strain. That's right. Okay. So he's got a neck problem now. But I mean, it's a damn good question. Because what, what, what do you do with Monkey Cabrera? You can't send him back down without having passed waivers. And someone else will try and pick him up probably. So if we're imagining who's going to be in the outfield, it's going to be sick, probably five people, right? Yeah, Brantley. Five. Five's fair. Assuming total health, I'm, I'm thinking Brantley, Zimmer, Davis, and that gives me two more for right field. Chisholm Hall not going anywhere. You got Chisholm Hall is not going anywhere. Yes, so that so we have one more person. And I mean, for you, that's Melky, right? So guy. Well, then you got Naquin eventually. Who's going to? That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> I mean, maybe it's Naquin though, because I mean, I, I don't I don't know how many options he has left, but I. I, I think we both agree Allen's just going to be optioned, right? Who's that? Greg Allen. Oh, Allen? oh yeah, no, yeah, yeah he'll be easy yeah, no, yeah, easy yeah. Oh yes, Greg Allen is gone. <laughs> I mean, he's going to be. He has in, options. In, it's in the kind of... for now. He's not going yeah. to be right. Exactly. His yeah. his problem is he has options, so he'll be sent back down because the, he is the one with the most first like in, able to move around. But I don't know. So, you know maybe I'm surprised Mel- you're you're so stuck on Melky Cabrera sticking around. See, he was my first one that's just gone. I don't think they care what happens to him. But you think he's. Well, I don't know. I can't decide. Because, <laughs> like, I mean, just I, I guess you probably, if, if you're assuming total health once again, then I guess you just go with the amalgamation in right field that is uh, Chisholm Hall and Geyer. And if Chisholm Hall actually does start hitting lefties again like he did, what was it, last year? I think he was actually pretty good against lefties. 
then maybe you're fine. Um, I, mean, I don't know. Again, if his if his leg continues to be terrible, then we'll have to we'll have to see. But I, maybe that's what maybe that maybe you're right. Maybe I'm maybe I'm being silly and <laughs> keeping him around is actually a bad idea. Him being uh, Melky Cabrera, but. I don't know about bad, but I think as long as you have Lonnie Chisenhall around, you have Brandon Geyer around, right? Right. I guess that's what, yeah. When I say bad, I, I guess I just mean it's it's just it's not going to happen. It's a silly idea to, to even play with because he's just a, a guy to fill a role until until someone gets healthy. So that's probably it's probably going to be the guys that we saw at the beginning of the year: Brantley, Davis, Zimmer, Chisenhall, and Geyer, which isn't exciting, but it's good. They're talented. They're all good players in their own roles, I guess, when they actually hit and stuff. This is nothing cool. related to anything, but Melky Cabrera kind of reminds me of like Marlon Bird from 2016. I mean, he's not going to yeah. get busted for steroids, but he was just kind of here for a little bit and then <laughs> oh. gone. Again, <laughs> he won't get busted again for steroids. Let me rephrase that. <laughs> I forgot about Marlon Bird, man. Right? Every yeah, time that's... I look at Melky, I just think Marlon Bird. I don't know why. That 2016 Indian team was weird. Didn't Juan was Uribe? Like... Juan Uribe was on the team for a while. I mean, <laughs> Mike Napoli was good for like two thirds of a season and then just fell into a crater. Like, just looking back at that roster, they made the World Series, man. Abraham Almonte got 194. I wrote a lot of articles <laughs> about Abraham Almonte. You did. Oh, the memories. Good time. Michael <laughs> Martinez is still around. And we all keep forgetting that he was 33 years old. He's the 25th but, man on the roster. He won't come up in like an important situation there. That's it just doesn't not, that's matter. Just move on. Let's move on. <laughs> anyway, move the upcoming on. schedule for the Cleveland Indians. <laughs> it's really bad. It's everything's really bad today. I don't know well, why. Great for the Indians. Great for let's, the Indians. Let's, let's but, be clear here. But let's run this down and just any of these teams worry you whatsoever. It's White Sox, Twins, Brewers, yeah, maybe. Tigers, White Sox again, Twins again, White Sox again, Tigers again. Cardinals, maybe, yeah. A's, yeah. Royals, A's, Reds, and then the Yankees. That's all heading into the All Star break. So they don't really have like a really, really legitimate tough team i guess until the yankees the, the brewers and cardinals are kind of pretty good at times but it's Aren't really the brewers in first who's in first place in that division well, i mean the brewers the... i think the brewers are the best team in the nl but you know what i don't they're the brewers man they have jesus aguilar who's hitting really well matt let's just <laughs> i agree i mean i agree with you, the principle but but the real is he's kind of hitting but no i know it's it's a but like, I'm still they're one of the teams that could fall off, I think. I don't think the Yankees It's a four-game set against the Twins, which is one, I don't know, they'll probably split that one for stupid reasons. But other than that, like, if they don't win, let's see. I figure they'll sweep the, the White Sox. Uh, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Wow, I'm really just counting on a whole lot of sweeps here, aren't I? <laughs> I mean, how can you not? It's the White Sox, Tigers, and Royals. I mean, if they just win, I figure they'll win 68% of their games or 70% of their games in this run, which is insane to say because no one wins 70% of their games at any run. But again, like I was saying before, this is where the winning streaks come from. And the Cardinals, again, are a pretty good team. But that's three, that's two teams with winning records that they're going to play. And then the Twins, who should, well, they've been terrible, but they'll probably be better. No, this is a, this is a total mess. And like I said before, they better make some hay here because it's going to, no matter what else happens after the All-Star break, it's going to be harder than this because it's not going to be easier than this. It can't be easier <laughs> than that's this. That's a good way to put it, yeah. It can't pot. Are the A's bad? They are bad, huh? Jeez. They're the A's. They're bad. Well, <laughs> you can't just say bad. these things. Now, they have a lot of championships <laughs> over the years. and it was like 94 games a couple years ago. Well, whatever. <laughs> they're not good this year, though. No, they're not. No, but oh, this... They have a winning record, actually. They have a better record than the Indians. Well, so you know... <laughs> <laughs> Whoa! But they have Aces Aguilar. <laughs> 
No, that's the A's. The A's have a better record. <laughs> no, no, I'm kidding. They have them too. Everybody has A's. I don't worry. Yeah, they're, they're sharing them. We say <laughs> we deliver tickets, T-shirts, and everything you need to rock. But what you really get is so much more. FedEx delivery. Passion. What we deliver by delivering. It's, it's a dual thing. So I get part of the bad schedule and hopefully winning a lot of games is what's going to. I hope vindicate me from my don't worry about pitch count thing early on. Cause if they can win a, if you like 68% of their games between now and the all-star break, the, the division is probably pretty good at that point. And if they get All some kind of, up. yeah, if they get some kind of great reliever at the deadline, that's the time they can either just not worry about losing a game or two in September and or August mm-hmm. and then um, rely on their bullpen to win some others and give their starters some breaks heading into the postseason. Well, Otherwise they'll just keep burning out their starters and I'll look dumb and Terry will look dumb. Everybody look dumb. Well, I mean, they're going to have to. They still need to get a new reliever. I, I don't think we can gloss over that. But well, that said, like, this is it's th- this is the reason why we thought this division was so winnable to start the season because this is just ugly. This is an ugly, dumb division with, with nothing good. And the only bad, th- the only dangerous thing in it is just very bad. I mean, the twins, are, the twins are legit dangerous. They don't have Jesus Aguilar. They're dangerous. That's true. They don't. They have. They have, they have the player I want. The Indians design Logan Morrison. I don't know what my. I don't know what to mean Logan Morrison over the years. But I've always been like writing articles with titles like No Lomo, No, No, More Lomo. It was, it was terrible. It was a terrible. It was a terrible title, and I hate. It. I don't remember where I wrote that board, but that was definitely that would have been changed. That was that was probably well, beyond that the box so, score. Well, that was somewhere else. Definitely. Good. Um. Yeah. I feel like I'm, like this is again unrelated, but. Like the Logan Morrison thing, and I guess every, almost every single reliever that isn't doing good, they all say, see, the Indians were right not to sign him because they're not doing good. But, I mean, you don't know that. I, there's so much different that can happen if they're pitching on this staff. Like Carl Willis might have affected Brian Shaw differently, and Brian Shaw might have faced some pitchers that he's better against. He wouldn't have played in Colorado. I mean, there's so many different – like people look at, at a signing somewhere else and how they did and just completely make it like a one-to-one to sign somewhere else. It's just not how it works. Like, even with Logan Morrison is another case where I still think that would have been a decent signing if they didn't get Yonder Alonso. Yeah. And I think they started with Logan Morrison trying to get him, but he didn't want to come right, here. Right, they did. Yeah, so I don't think that would have been terrible, but it's just kind of funny seeing all these these free agents be so bad elsewhere and the Indians get Yonder Alonso, who's kind of good occasionally, so it worked out. I didn't realize how bad Joe Smith's season was going. Jeez. Oh, yeah. It's like every reliever. I think Brandon Morrow is the only really good. Was he a free agent last year? I think so, right? And he's been good this season. Well, I mean, I mean, if you look at the the Astros relieving core, they they have a couple guys here that they signed. For instance, Hector Hector Rondon, which the Indians could really be using right now. He'd be their second, they're probably their best reliever right now. But they're doing well. But you know, they just use a lot of blind tower. Yeah, and Brandon Mar- <laughs> Brandon Morrow, two year, twenty one million deal. He has a one point oh four ERA right now. So the Cubs made out well on that. Right, but I mean, everyone else is is not that good. Oh, and like you said, like how much of that is is staff and support? You know, the the things around you is like I, I jokingly just said a thing about <laughs> about the Astros, but there's a real thing about having some, you know, the being in the right place at the right time. Like, who knows if Joe Smith would be bad still if he was on the if he went to the Indians instead of the Astros, which is confusing because everyone else who goes there does well for right. whatever reason. But like you said Brandon Mar, like, would he succeed in? Colorado? The answer is no. No one succeeds in Colorado as a pitcher. <laughs> yeah. But would would Brian Shaw be still? I don't know. I mean, he was. How many times did we write our articles about him last year, even the year before, just about how he was on the downswing and the, it doesn't make sense to resign him. It just sucks that everything is 
we just got so, you know, just spoiled with literally having such an amazing bullpen over the years and losing the, losing the faces that did it and not having anything to replace it over, but, you know, this year has really been terrible. Yeah. I, they have to, tra- they're going to trade for someone because they have to, because you can't, you can't just waste this. And if you do that, then you're going to really burn a whole lot of goodwill that you've built over the last four years or whatever. Yeah. And that's I mean, a stupid you, thing to do over a couple million dollars. Yeah. If you can, I mean, I, t- I tweeted about it kind of angrily when the Indians right before they came on a big comeback in the ninth inning, but it's just kind of funny how like a decade of all their great drafts and trades and contracts go out the window because they didn't sign a reliever in the offseason. Like that one right. decision could torch all of this if this is like their last. It's utterly insane window. to think that. And I just, uh, and I, like I wrote a couple weeks ago, why can't they develop a reliever? Who the hell knows? It's so confusing. Yeah. They should just turn Corey Kluber into a reliever. I think that's probably, whoa. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, is it maybe because they always draft like these, like these Shane Beavers, who's going to make his debut on Thursday? They always go for these guys who are working the strike zone, and they don't they don't strike a lot of people out, and they don't walk a lot of people as their big thing. They don't and, throw any one great thing, too. You know, right. I, that's what I heard about a couple weeks ago. Like, like Mike Clevenger doesn't have any one killer pitch. Corey Kluber does now, but he didn't when he became a starter. He was just he had a bunch of pretty good offerings, and like you said, didn't didn't walk people. It was he's the, the very base of what makes a good pitcher is what they are, and then they build on that as opposed to right. going really high ceiling. I can't think of the last time they got a really – I guess Tristan McKenzie was a, was a high scorer and then they drafted him. But, he's gonna, again, he's going to be a starter because he's just too good. And you still want starting pitching over relieving, reliever pitching. But Oh, yeah, for sure. We'll see about this Shane Bieber, though. Maybe he's maybe he's a reliever of the future. Why not? <laughs> that seems like – I mean, I guess he's like the opposite of Josh Tomlin because he doesn't walk anybody. And Well, Tomlin doesn't walk anybody, but – I don't know. He just seems like he'd be such a good starter because he doesn't. He's like a good Josh Tomlin because he doesn't walk people. He also doesn't give up a million home runs. So a I feel like that's a waste. But. Is what you're telling me? So a, a good pitcher is what you're telling me? Because man, <laughs> yeah, maybe. Are you calling Josh Tomlin not a good pitcher? Well, is that what I you're doing? Is that what you're doing there? Makes it a bit of an adventure, Matt. It just, it just makes the game uh, a little bit exciting, and uh, he gives away a lot of free baseballs. Is all I'm saying to you. See, right? he cares about making our games exciting, Matt. That's well, we're true. over here complaining about home runs. Oh, he's giving us more of them. So that's bad. You know, I, I wrote a long time ago about how the most, uh, the, the greatest thing, the most fan friendly thing for the working man in all of baseball is the home run because it's giving back to the men in the cheapest seats, the bleachers. <laughs> Supposed to all those rich That's people deep. getting all those foul balls. Tells you something about what it is to be rich. It's foul, Matt. Oh, that is deep merit. You need to like get that tattooed somewhere. Yeah, no, rich people are foul. <laughs> <laughs> What's that mean? I'm not sure. I thought it was ten years ago. It's a confusing tattoo now. Should have got it on my neck. Oh well. All right, Merritt. Let's finish this up with some uh, some nice Twitter questions that we got here today. All right. Um, I definitely sent these to it ahead of time. I, I sent these to you clearly ob- hours ago. So if you don't know any of these answers right away, this I've is on you. I've been reviewing them assiduously. Yes. I definitely did not have any time to do this earlier and just really quickly put them in my document today and didn't send them it's to you. completely fine. You probably weren't watching the <laughs> intro to the Stanley Cup Finals because the Vegas Golden Knights are the best team in, in all of sports. <laughs> you bandwagon. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's see. At, what do I want to start with? Start with a weird one. So at Kevin Gammon asks, when does LeBron join the Indians bullpen? Since it seems like he's the only one who can carry them to victory at this point. Do you put LeBron uh, in the bullpen if you put him in baseball? I guess if. Well, first, no, he's playing center field. Uh, second of all, I'd prefer Kevin Love after watching those those pass, those 94 foot passes that he's been doing from LeBron, <laughs> from basket to basket to LeBron. That, that's the kind of arm I want. There you go. All right. That or 
No, Kyle Korver would be more of like a Josh Tomlin type because he doesn't really do a lot of anything amazing, but he's super accurate. So, yeah, that's more of that. But no, I'd prefer Kevin Love and uh, yeah, LeBron James on wingspan in center field would be ridiculous. Actually, you know, you mentioned wingspan. His release point would be like like fifty feet from the <laughs> from the plate. Yeah. It would appear to be like ninety eight miles an hour, even if it's only going like eighty five. So maybe that is a good idea. Maybe could could he like Carter caps it where he's like jumping off the mound. In which case, he's throwing it from 35 feet away. <laughs> is that I a thing? That's... Is there a lot of relievers with big wingspans? Is that Did I just um, discover the market inefficiency? I think I did. No, that's one of the reasons that uh, Chris... What's his last name? The tall, skinny dude who was on the Royals for a while. Uh, he has the name of another player. He does have a name, not, yeah. not Chris Davis, though. Chris Davis is two people also. <laughs> no, it's um, Chris Davis is two people. Well, there's Chris Davis with a K about. and Chris Davis with a C. Uh, what's he was a super tall reliever. Right, exactly. Chris, Chris Young. Young. Yeah, exactly. Because so, there's also the outfit of Chris Young. But yeah. one of the things that makes him so good is he's incredibly long and lanky. And so even if he's only thrown 88, it's coming at you at like 51 feet or something like that. Not really. That would be a nine-foot change in uh, release point. But basically that's what it is. So it just – it you perceive it to be more yeah. and a uh, baseball savant ha- does have a perceived velocity on there, which is a thing. And it is definitely about how the site and whatnot works. So no, that, that's one of the reasons after the, I read an interview with uh, Dayton Moore. That's why they signed him was because he was so good because of that reason. Yeah. Uh, well, actually their reasoning was, well, he was so good against us. We might as well sign him because they're so focused on the, on the <laughs> anyway. Um, so, anyway, uh, yeah. I, I, I mean, I guess LeBron James would be a good reliever. I, don't know, I just think he's kind of a one-pitch guy. Yeah. I just, just don't know if he's got, he's got his big hands, though. Got, got a lot of spin on the ball. Oh, yeah. Mm. yeah. Mm. Um, so, at BLU1131, uh, he asked, what do you think of firing um, Carl Willis or Scott Atchison at this point outside of the big four? The pitching has been a mess this year. This is the thing we haven't really talked about. Is a lot of things coming up. Do you fire either pitching coach at this point, or do you still think it's too early? Yeah. I don't know. What's the point? What's the point at this right. point? Like, like the the pitching coach has already done its his damage, I guess. Yeah. Right. I mean, so. If, and if you're gonna uh, fire go anybody, ahead. I guess you do Carl Willis, right? Because everybody likes See, Scott Atchison, and Willis just came on, and things are bad. So. I mean, because you can't fire both of them. You'd fire one of them, and then you bring, you keep the guy who's been with the team for the longer time, and have him take over, and then he says, "Throw more breaking balls," and then the relievers do, it, and then they become good again. Or not. I don't know. Uh, I guess so. It's, we, we've all had the thought, I'm sure, while watching games, like this is all Carl Willis's fault. But it's more so with hitting, with hitting coaches. But also it's, it's hard to really blame the pitching coach too much. These guys are still pro athletes. Like Hitting coaches in particular you can't really blame because do, do you praise them when the guys are hitting well? No. But we did all praise Mickey Calloway when the pitchers pitched well. So maybe. It's it's not it's a non-zero thing I could see happening, but that's probably won't happen because it's it's overly reactionary and they'd have to be really really bad in, like, through August for that to actually happen. And then at that point too, what's the point? So right uh, at Chi Tribe AP, he wants to know not that not that these two deals are related, but would you rather somehow acquire a season-saving reliever right now and have Lindor sign a three-year contract extension, or be stuck with this DIY bullpen and Lindor sign a lifetime contract extension? So I guess that's kind of a – it's an either-or thing. To simplify it, would you rather have a reliever this year and Lindor a shorter amount of time or just not get a reliever and Lindor signs basically forever? 
which mm. I, I guess the easy like the the surface answer is just get Lindor forever, obviously. But but if you don't have a reliever now, this is like your one year. Maybe it's worth it to have him only a couple years and get a dominant reliever and win the World Series this year. But I don't know. Well, I do refute a little bit. That this is their one year. The pitching staff is still the, the, the key point of the pitching staff. I think is obviously Kluber and Carrasco being there along with Bauer. And Bauer's there through 20, what, 21 or something like that, at least. He's probably going to go all the way through arbitration. and He won't sign a long-term contract because, you know, more power to him, I guess. But same thing with, with the uh, the other guy. The only thing that really leads after this year, the other guy being Corey Kluber. Sorry about that. Uh, uh, <laughs> Corey other guy Kluber. Corey other guy. Yeah, but the, the only thing that really leaves after this year, right, is Brantley and Kipnis, I believe. No, Kipnis is signed for a while. It's Brantley who leaves at the end of the year. And that sucks, but... The Indians have been good at developing hitters out of nowhere, too. I mean, Jose Ramirez, Brantley himself, guys who just emerged as if from whole cloth. He was the, what, he was the other guy to throw in in the, in the reported deal anyway. So I think that they could probably figure out a way to replace the offensive output after this year uh, and the, the fact that they still have their two best hitters. And then they would have Lindor forever, which is also cool. Because what's that? This does raise an excellent question too: of what's the point of watching sports? You know what? <laughs> well, why, how did you well, get over there? Well, it's it's this is why. It's <laughs> if you literally signs a lifetime contract that never happens, and mm. teams, especially like the Indians, the fans don't get to root for the same players for more than seven or eight years because they just they hit a point where they cannot afford them anymore. Everyone from the '90s left because they couldn't afford them anymore. Some of them came back. And then left again and signed somewhere else again for a year. And it was a little bit embarrassing because we gave him a statue. Um, <laughs> Not to name any names, just somebody. I'm just saying, theoretically. <laughs> some, some, you know. Manny Ramirez left because they couldn't afford it. If they could actually keep, like, when I, what, I, what I mean is, why do we watch the game? It's entertaining and it's because we like the team or because we like the players. Are we rooting for laundry or are we rooting for players? This is a thing Bill Simmons wrote about ages ago. And by having a player of Lindor's caliber and just everything you suddenly have. I mean, would the would a Reds fan trade, you know, the last se- the last and future several years of Joey Votto for a World Championship, or at least the the chance for another run in 2011 or 12 or whatever or what have you? Maybe I don't know, but that's what I mean when I say it's it's why do we watch sports? Is it just because we want to see championships? Because it's, it that seems a little gross and dumb because. I don't know. I, I don't think life is a zero-sum game. It seems a little weird to approach just the just sports that way, even though it, it literally is. But I'd like the Indians win a World Series this year, but I think I'd like it more if I got to watch Francisco Lindor as an Indian forever, right? So yeah. In I, terms of do I want them to win a championship this year? Yes, yes, I do. And if I, that's going to mean that only three more years of Lindor after his arbitration is up, yeah, I guess that would, that's, that's a fair trade-off. But I think I'd rather see Lindor. For, and I, I feel like and maybe they're, and again they're not like definitely not going to win a World Series. This year. Yeah, they're still in it. I don't know. They could still do it. They could just all the pitchers, all the starters could get hot. So I don't know. I feel like the the front like all front offices now they're they have the same uh, mindset as that is that it's not <laughs> worth not every year you don't have to win the World Series. It's better to build out and have more chances over more years. Maybe it's not because they want to they want to watch Lindor for so many years, but they just want to have a more successful team over so long. So I think the years of like dumping everything you have into one player is probably gone. So if the Indians had this this proposition come up, I'm almost positive they would take Lindor forever over yeah. 
dumping a bunch of stuff and also trimming how short they have Lindor just to get a reliever for this year. Because I think more teams are realizing you don't have to be great to win a World Series. You just have to get in the in the postseason and be hot for a long time. And if you have Lindor for another 10 years, you're going to get in the postseason at least a couple more times. Yeah, and again, like I said, it's not like it's, it's over at the end of the year. They, they'll they lose Brantley, and that sucks. But maybe Will Benson will be really good. Right. He's been hitting, you know, he's been lights out. You, what's his name? The, the third baseman, Yu Chung Chang or Ching Chang or uh, yeah. Chiang. It's like Chiang Chang. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Sorry. Um, him. He's been he's been hitting lights out too. So they develop hitters again. I was I said this when I was uh, on that radio show on Thursday or Friday or whatever it was. They, the Indians minor leagues are are full of great hitters. They're they're one of the best hitting minor league systems in in all of baseball, and there's a reason for that. They can develop hitters. They can develop de- hitters and, and starting pitchers. You can't develop a reliever, and that sucks. But what what can you do? And again, hey, may Br- Brantley leaves, and maybe Yandy Diaz finally gets his shot and becomes great. Who knows? I want to point out that, that sounded really bad a second ago. I got him mixed up with Shao Ching Chang. I wasn't just, I wasn't just yelling Ching Chang out loud. That was, terrible. What is <laughs> Indians? What it's like, you're right. It's like you. What is this? I'm, I'm checking their top thirty prospects now, yeah. just so we don't seem like insensitive pieces of garbage. <laughs> it is Yu Cheng Chang. It is. It is. It's not just Yu Ch- oh Chen Chang. Okay. Yeah. Cheng yeah. Chang. Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah Will really... Benson, Nolan Jones has been hitting all right from what I understand. These are guys, hell, Bobby, Bobby Bradley could be something. Also, these are guys they could trade another time. Yeah. And even if they lose some pitchers, again, Shane Bieber's there. Tristan McKenzie's on his way up. The The pipeline is still there, and it's got some good players that I think some will develop into better players than we think. Because, again, the Indians have shown a demonstrated ability to create better players. And let's not rule out Bradley Zimmer and Greg Allen yet as – they can be exactly. Yeah, I still think Bradley Zimmer is going to be a star. Maybe not a super duper star like I had hoped originally. I mean, I but I just I firmly believe one of those three outfielders, him, Zimmer, or Frazier, is going to be great in the majors, and it, yep. it's got to be one of them. I think. I assume, right? Otherwise, my entire theory here of them being able to develop players is utterly bust. So, yeah, yeah. I think they were pretty good. For, it's not just us being Indians fans looking at the farm being optimistic. I think. I think they have a pretty good. I mean, they have a good track record, too, of developing these players right. and having come up. So it's not completely out of the question to look forward to a bunch of these these lower um, lower level of the minors players coming up and competing when they're in the majors. So to answer uh, whoever's question, I think I'd rather just keep the Lindor yeah, and see what that. happens this year because, again, they're still in it. Like the They still have one of the best starting rotations in baseball. And as, as big as bullpens are these days in, in the playoffs – Starting pitching is good too, yep. and they now have two Corey Kluber's, and that's pretty good. But two more Corey Kluber's than any team has ever had in the history of time. <laughs> so that's pretty good. So let's finish this off with a good old MVP debate because who doesn't love those? Um, at S Brady Artists, he asks if Mike Trout passes fourteen WAR and one of Jose Ramirez or Francisco Lindor passes ten, but still can't catch Trout, who wins the MVP? Does playoff positioning, divisional competition factor in? Um, this is. <laughs> So they're saying if if Mike Trout. No, I get it. No, I mean, by what is more? So if Mike Trout has literally the best season in history, <laughs> but then the Indians make the playoffs. No, of course they're going to give to Mike Trout. That's yeah. So what if we tone it back up. a little bit? Like, what if Trout just gets a ten and Lindor is like just as usually like seven, seven, eight somewhere in there? So it's not historically cool. great, but. All right. So what do those numbers look like then? Because assuming that happens, and then Mike Trout's going to put up another I mean, well, one Trout- of his MVP. One of his MVP candidate uh, uh, winning seasons. His 
let's call it his 2016 when he was 24 years old and he hit 29 home runs, 30 stolen bases. He had 315 with a 441 on base percentage and a 173 OPS plus. What does that look like for Lindor? Just continuing what he's doing this year and extrapolate it out to the full season? It's pretty close, yeah. Because I, I don't know at that point. Then then we're talking something. Then we're talking about a short hitting 45 home runs. Then we're talking about because you got what 12. All right, so if he hits 36 home runs and has a 900 OPS and and is a shortstop, I think it's much closer than we actually think. Because again, a shortstop's not supposed to do that and. MVP voting does all depend on who's voting that year, which is really stupid. I found that out when listening to Effectively Wild last year. But depending on who's voting, it may go one way or the other. Like that's why Felix Hernandez won it one year, but then sometimes, you know, it'll be it'll be much more traditional looking, I guess. Yeah. So yeah, I think that if that would have to happen, if, if Trout merely recreates one of his legendary seasons instead of being truly earth shattering, that's what it would need. But I don't know. At this point, he's already at five wins above replacement. Come on. <laughs> and it's, I mean, we're just making up debates because unless, unless it's really close, it should be Mike Trout no matter what the playoff situation is. Yeah. Unless they're super close or like you said, Lindor is that good as a shortstop. But these debates are always so super fit. It's just because people want a reason to argue MVP. Just vote for Mike Trout. Like <laughs> Last year was kind of up in the air because he was injured for so long. But even then, he was like one of the best players, but not the best player. Yeah, I think what, he was third. He's fourth in MVP voting, and he played 114 games. Yeah. And honestly, I think he's probably better than Jose Ramirez. Uh, Mike, I, Mike Trout? Yeah, I think so. Oh, last year, you mean? Yeah. Last year, yeah. yeah. He was, I mean, he, he had 6.7 oh, yeah. wins by replacement. Ramirez was 6.9. So. I don't know, man. That's a that's a close shave right there. I think I'd probably take the center fielder over the third baseman at that point. And plus, Ramirez he get a boost by playing some second base there as well. I think in, in terms of the DR. Yeah. Oh, he was so good last year. Trout, I mean, Ooh, baby, he's so good every year. It's like so many. Damn, damn, he's so good. <laughs> Let's just make a Mike Trout podcast someday. Oh, you mean a baseball podcast? Because, <laughs> yeah, there you go. Because the, they're all that. <laughs> the game Mike Trout plays podcast. That's what we'll call it. Lord, he's so boring, but he's so good. I know. It's just, okay. I don't. Uh, he's everything. He, he's a curse. He's everything. Rob Manfred doesn't lie in his greatest player. He had a five-hit game, and like people forgot about it within an hour. Oh God, damn! Yeah, my dad was texting me about it. I was like, Jesus Christ, this guy's amazing. And and in you know, and in New York of all places, like just yeah. Ugh, I can't even do that in a video game. You know, people say video game numbers, and he's just doing things that I can't do in video games sometimes. Well, almost at this point, I'm hitting a home run every game. So whatever. <laughs> all right, man. That's gonna do it for this week. Um, another victory. Another, another. What is it? Bullpen blown victory. Greg Allen walk off that Merritt missed, but we did it. No, Matt. <laughs> Talk to you next week, Mayor. All right. Have fun. See you.